Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. I want to try as much as possible to finish up with our subject on the power of forgiveness this morning. I want to try, so I'm going to be fast. And I want you to be fast with me. This is part number five of this subject we are dealing with. I want you to come with me and I want us to be a little bit quick because I want to finish with it. There are some other things the Lord is ministering to me about that I have to talk about to a very large degree. The time is short. I'm not saying the world is ending. I didn't say so. Hmm? Because world without end. Have you read any of your Bible? But time is short means we've got to be quick, we've got to be smart, we've got to be fast in what we're doing. I need to equip you fast enough to be mature people. Amen? Are you with me? Again, we go with Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. And then Luke 17.3. Matthew 6.12 again. That is the main text we're dealing with. Uh, and it says, And forgive us our debts, or our sins, or our trespasses, as we forgive our debtors, or those who trespass against us. Right? And then Luke 17.3. Luke 17.3. Again, the Bible says, Take it to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. How many of you remember what rebuke means? With that, with that fully last week. Is that okay? Rebuke means go to him and talk with him. He didn't say keep anything in your heart. He didn't say be grieved. He said go to him and talk with him that he offended you. Is that okay? Or he or she sinned against you. Just go talk it over. That's what the Bible means when he says rebuke. Rebuke is not to say go and insult the person who offended you. Is that okay? Come on, are you listening to me? Sometimes, this is what it is. When people offend you, you don't know that they are feeling pains. They might be pretending not to, but they are really feeling pains because they have the spirit. Because the point is this. We all are baptized, help me Lord, with one spirit. Is that okay? Good. Everybody got the spirit to a very large degree. And so when you grieve the spirit in me, that same spirit in you is what? Is grieved. A practical example is what happened to me yesterday. Behind there we have some of these guys who go to the land and we discussed last week. It was rough. I, I, I spoke like I've never, never spoken one time in my life. I've never been that, I mean, angry. Let me put it that way. Because they were messing up the piece of land. And yet these guys will not listen to me. And the next thing they tell me, go and get the police if you think you can do anything. Oh man, I was touched. I put a call through the police that I want to come. Police told me it's far away. I said, call. He said, I'm making it in the evening. I said, make it in the evening. This guy said, I should get the police. I'm going to get the police for you. And then, towards the evening, something happened. The guy couldn't come. God was just preventing some things. And he called me. I couldn't make it. We'll come the next day. Whatever it is, fine. Yesterday the police came. Let's go get the guy. I said, no need. 
They came to my office and said, let's go pick him up at an need. So, but where is the place? I just said, from the window, that's the place, that's the path, that's whatever, but no need. So the issue has no problem. I gave them the cash, take your car, go back. Not quite an hour, the very, very person that so much insulted me from a user language, that made me to speak the way I've never spoken before, was passing by. And he said, me, see, good afternoon, sir. Looked at him. I answered. He was passing by. I said, come, come, come back here. He walked down. I said, what's your problem? He said, See, I thank God you called me and you answered me. See, when I got home, I knelt down and began to cry. Why did I speak to this man that way? And I was saying, anywhere I see this man, I will greet him. If he didn't answer me, I will go to him and tell him, why did you not answer me? He was not comfortable. But in the midst of the people, he felt like a king. Are you getting what I'm talking about? He was grieved in his spirit. Now my calling him just relieved him of that grief. And he's promising to protect my land. I'm going to make sure nobody goes there. I'm going to make sure. I even told my my boys, clear this land. Forget about the fact that I quarrel with that man. Clear this land. The man is a good man. You don't know how people feel when they hurt you. That's why you go to them. You understand that? Sometimes when you go to them, you are relieving them of that burden. Just like you're freeing yourself of that body. So don't hold anything down. Hey, this man said this to me. You know, no. That's your grudge. Don't keep malice. Don't keep anger. Don't have anything. Talk it over. Are you with me? It was an experience for me. I wouldn't know if, because of what I'm teaching, the Lord have to try me. Because you see, the word of the Lord came to Joseph and they were tried Joseph. Do you know why Joseph was in prison? Because God told him he was going to be a ruler. The world have to try him. And the world must try. Look, say, the word of God is tried perfect seven times pure. He was try you to bring your perfection. So because I'm teaching this now, look at what happened. Because when I came back, I said, God, what has happened? And this guy has done so much to me. So what am I going to do with him? And when the young man came, I said, Do you see those tires there? Say, they were the police you asked me to bring. But I asked them to go back. So they are looking at me. I said, Your wife will not have seen you for at least a week. At least a week. Because the people I was bringing, is not a normal police. So when they pick you, you have, I said, I asked them to release you. And you know the Nigeria police. They can even tell you you are a criminal. And you are not coming out. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm talking about? I want you to understand that if anybody hurts you, go to the person. This is why the Lord is saying, go to the person. The person may be in pain. You don't know. Go to the person. Alright. Look at Romans 14 verse 12. That's rebuke. Going to the person equal what? Rebuke. Romans 14, 12. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us therefore judge one another, I mean, 
Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Don't make your brother to stumble. One of the major ways by which you make people stumble is to do things that will make them say, I will not serve God again. You understand that? Hey, you claim to be a Christian. Look at what you've done to me. I mean, I'm no longer ready. You make them stumble. Hmm? I, I, I was speaking to my wife about this. She was speaking in tongues, my experience. A lady made me stumble in that dimension of the gift of the Spirit because then I was not a believer. I woke up in the morning. I like news generally. So I would tune in my little transistor radio, listening to VOA or BBC. And she would walk to me and say, Listen, listen, you're going to go to hell for listening to this news. You'll go to hell. I said, Madam, what's the problem? I'm my own gate. I'm listening to my own news. This is alimony. You have not even greeted me. He said, I'm just telling you, you are going to go to hell. And then one the next thing. In the night, she wake up, you know, in the village. Rooms are not far apart. 1 a.m., she'll be blasting in tongues. I can't sleep. And I said, God, what kind of life is this? So one day in the morning, I told her, I said, listen, for your sake, I will never be a Christian. I won't be a Christian for your sake. But finally, when I became a Christian, somebody was praying for me to have baptism of the Holy Spirit. We prayed for close to two hours. Nothing was happening. And the guy told me, the problem I have is if I pray for you to have the baptism and you don't have it, we don't live there. Then I knew I was in trouble. And then the next thing he says, have you ever spoken anything against the Holy Spirit? I said, sure, I have. And then I narrated the story. He said, okay, simply say, I am sorry. Forgive me. Then I said, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I have not even finished saying I'm sorry. My tongue twisted. I started speaking in tongues. I spoke in tongues from around 10 to 1 a.m. I go to the hostel because there's a camp meeting. I entered bed. I said, let me go and shower down. I started speaking in tongues in the bedroom. If I become a problem to my roommate. All because I said I will not because of somebody's attitude. She was a stumbling block to me in becoming a Christian. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You don't, you don't make people hate God. You don't make people not to. That's what the scripture is saying. We, we have, we're going to face our own judgment. So don't, it's like saying, don't make some other person's issue to become part of your issue. It's like in addition to the offenses you're committing, you're making somebody not to know God. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. That's why if something's happened, and you feel grieved in the church, don't go campaigning about what you've seen in the church. Keep it to yourself. Pray about it. But don't go to Mr. B or Sister A and say, are you even seeing this in the church? Have you even noticed? Can't you see what is going on? Are your eyes blind? Are you seeing like I'm seeing? You are the only one seeing. The other ones are not seeing. You keep your sight. You follow what I'm talking about? You cause them to stumble. Because if they are not seen, that means they are not seen the way you are seen. Simply put, you have evil eyes, but they don't have evil eyes. So hold your evil eyes. Don't sell it out to other people. You follow what I'm talking about? 
Don't go about complaining about it. Just complain about pastors. Complaining about members. Complaining about sisters. Leadership. Pastors. Why? Stop all of that. You have your own account to give to God. Don't add another man's own together with yours. So that if you feel there's an offense anywhere, go to the person. Don't wait. Are you there with me? Hallelujah. Turn to Ephesians. I told us we're going to be a little bit fast this day. Ephesians 4.26. Excuse me. Ephesians 4.26. Be angry. This is a commandment. <laughs> Somebody say, but pastor, that's what I'm talking about. Even the Bible says we should be angry. I say yes. Be ye angry. And you know how people illustrate this? Didn't Jesus carry the cane and whip the people in the temple? Are you Jesus? This is a man that can kill and make a life. Can you make a life? No. You can't follow the example of Jesus in doing some stuff. Jesus, God said, I kill and I do what? And I make a life. Can you kill and make a life? So why are you following a man that can kill and make a life to do what he's doing? If he kills, he can make a life. When you finish dealing with people, can you make them come happy again? No. So be angry. And you say, so, so what do you want me to do now? Now you say, no, I said be angry. Is that not what I said? Be angry. But look at this. And see not. That means you can be angry and sin in the midst of being angry. That's the problem. You don't know how to control your anger. You don't know the limit to which your anger should go. You don't have control over your anger. So you better not even do it. Be angry and sin not. That means you could start sinning when you get angry. And that's what the Bible says. Anger is found in the bosom of a fool. You are not a fool. Only fools get angry and sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let not the sun go down upon what? Your anger. That's the solution to it. Are you angry? Don't, don't keep it to the next day. That's what I mean. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You are free to be angry. Somebody has offended you, fine. But what do you do? Resolve it before evening time. In other words, don't sleep over your anger. Because it will build up into something else. Overnight, you begin to have revelation of what to do the next day for what that person has done to you. Are you there with me? I gave you an illustration, I think, the second section of this teaching how a very close friend of mine so offended me in the month of April last year. It was difficult for me. But two times the Lord said, speak to him. I said, man, what is it? He said, speak to him. I told my wife, first of all, I called somebody in Lagos and I said, this is what the Lord is telling me. Did you speak to this man before? He said, no, never told him anything about that. The next one again said, speak to him. Okay, I have to obey the Lord. And what did the guy say? He said, man, you are such a good man. 
you relieve me of so many burdens by calling me because I'm not qualified for you to call me. He was waiting for me to call because I didn't know how to call. Did you get that? He thought we could resolve the issue but he didn't know how to approach me because of what he did. And so God said, call him. We resolved it. Are you done with me? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. No matter how qualified you, 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 I mean, the right you have to be angry, don't let the anger go down. I mean, mark it in your Bible. That you're angry this morning, then till evening, you are still angry. No, that means you're going to sleep with the anger, and then it comes up the next day. You are treading on a dangerous path. Hallelujah. Look at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Oh, can you get this just the verse from the Amplified Translation if you can? Neither give place to the devil. Don't let it all go down on your anger. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Oh goodness. Can you get that? When you allow anger to stay overnight, you allow the devil to have residence in your life. You now become a devil instrument unknown to you. Are you following that now? Somebody have offended you. Resolve it. When you don't resolve it, you give it room, give it place, give it opportunity for the devil to use you as an instrument. You are not called to be used as a vessel of God, not the vessel of the devil. So anger makes you a place where the devil begins to do what? Functioning. Are you seeing it? Praise the Lord. So, this is why we said in Luke, I mean, Leviticus 19, when you read 17, 18, we read that from, from the Amplified Translation. He said, don't secretly hate your neighbor. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. Leviticus 19, 17 to 18. If you have something against him, get it out into the open. Otherwise, you are accomplished in what? In his guilt. Praise the living God. I just pray that somebody understand me this morning. How important this subject is. I'm trying to round up, but I see have so much more. Because every day as I study, a lot of other things are opening up. A lot of other things are opening up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this night the Lord showed me something. I don't want to tell you about that. Two placards were brought before me. And it's like somebody was standing behind the man I hear the placard. And we just shown to me. And the voice says, choose the one on the right side. I said, thank you, Lord. I understand what you're saying. Let's make the right choice. What's the right choice? Following the word of God. Following what he says to us. Because we'll be the one to benefit at the end of the day. Are you with me? This is what he saying here. In Leviticus. From the translation. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. How you do that is, somebody have offended you, you don't want to discuss it, you keep it up at night, and then hatred begins to do what? Develop in your spirit against that individual. You are building up something. Husband and wife, families, notice what I'm talking about. Take note of it. This is so critical. Don't allow your vessel to become a place for the devil to function in. By secretly hating 
your neighbor. I told you your neighbor have nothing to do with the man in the street. Your neighbor is your household of faith. Offense must come, but must come from within. Hallelujah. It is not the offense that counts that is important thing. It is how you handle the offense. Oh my God. That's the important thing. I'm sorry about that. Now. First John 2. Verse number 8. I, I just saw something that makes me feel bad. Not here. That's why sometimes maybe we need to be closing these doors and put on the AC. Yeah, you see, there is a young man that I used to know. It was only yesterday I saw him. Well, I'm talking, he's just passing by again. No, it's painful to me. He's amok now. He's mad. Two temptations I have been facing for the past three weeks. This young man started his own yesterday. And there's another guy in my community. Anytime I drive out, he's crippled. He will come onto the roadside. Anytime I'm driving, I must see this boy. I don't know why he comes out only when I'm driving on that road. I feel pains that he should be crippled. I feel pains that this guy is mad right now. Big temptation to me. Why is this so? Why can't I heal these people? Are you following what I'm talking about? Should I jump on them on the street? I don't know. Big temptation because they're Spain. Are you following what I'm saying now? Sorry about that. First John chapter two, verse number eight. Let's look at this. Okay. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith is in the light, and he that is brother is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is no occasion of him stumbling, I mean of stumbling in him. But he that hated his brother is in darkness, and walketh in the darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded him. Let's take this from the Amplifier. I think, so don't break it down very quickly. Amplifier, verse number 8 again. First John 2. Yet I'm writing you a new commandment, which is true, realized in him and in you, because the darkness, moral blindness, is clearing away. And the true light, the revelation of God in Christ, is already shining. So when we talk about true light, we're talking about the revelation of God in who? In Christ. You see that? So if you have Christ, you have God on your inside, you're becoming one with God. So how does God treat offenders? <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse number 9. Whoever says this in the light and yet hates his brother, Christian born again child of God, his father is in darkness, even until now. If you say you are born again and you can afford to hate somebody specifically now who is also born again, you simply say you're telling lies. Meaning the revelation of God in Christ is nowhere on your inside. Hatred 
will shut off God from your life. So see how you're going to pray. Who are you praying to? Amen? Listen. Whosoever loves his brother, I'm reading Amplified, believer abides in and lives in the light and eats or in him there is no occasion for slumbling or cause for error or sin. No occasion. But he who hates, detests, despises his brother in Christ is in darkness and walking, living in the dark, he strains and does not perceive or know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Did you get this? It means hatred means darkness. Darkness means you are not living in the true light. The true light means the revelation of God in who? In Christ. You see that? You can afford to hate. Because you shut away God from your life. You shut away the flow of God's life from your life. Whether it's your husband, whether it's your wife, whether it's your daughter, your child, your boy, whatever. And then born again in the church, you can afford to hate. Why would somebody's life make you shut away, shut up God from your life? <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, you will go to God and say, God help me. That sister, I forgive you today. That brother, I forgive you today. Why will you shut off God from your life? Because you detest. You know what it means to detest somebody? You know, you know what it means to despise somebody? When you begin to feel this man is not my equal, this one is not my mate. What? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you detest people, when you despise people, you're shutting off the supply of God in Christ that was supposed to be resident in your life. So the next thing you have is not about what? Darkness. You walk in the darkness, you don't know. And you stumble every day. This is why you don't walk straight. You, you stagger, you stumble because you, there is somebody in your spirit that you are not in agreement with. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? He that hated or he that said is in the light. He that confesses to be a, a Christian even in the lowest degree. And yet he that is brother. Not only does not love him but weeps and does him evil, just like the Jews would do to the Gentiles, that man is in darkness. This sister, for what she has done to me, only God will pay him. What you are saying is, God pay him. Not only God will pay him. You are already saying, God pay him. You see what I am saying? Sometimes when you complain too much about people, you don't know what you are doing. Let me give you how important and delicate it is for you not to or to be complaining about people. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you know what God said? Let's go down to Sodom and see this thing that is being said about Sodom. So what was it? Every day, Lord was complaining. Every day, Lord was complaining. So when you complain about your husband, your wife, your children, what you are saying is you are writing a petition to God to say, God, come and vindicate me. So God said, let's go down and see this complaint that's coming up every day. Hmm? 
When you complain about your household, when you complain about your husband, you're only writing the petition to God. God will come down. And because they complain you having his right, he's coming in judgment. So when they say, only God will judge you, you're already doing that. And because God will not be happy that somebody is offending you, what's the next thing that God will do? If he has to come in judgment, he's going to judge the people that are making you to stumble. Because he said, anyone that makes this little one to stumble, it will be better for a milestone be hanging in their neck and drowning in the sea. Can you get what I'm talking about? So you complain that people are making you stumble every day. What's the next thing? You are always saying, Father, tie that stone on your neck. Hmm? Let's be careful what we say about people. No matter whatever the situation will be, no matter how much hurt we carry in our hearts, let's learn to forgive. It's an appeal I'm making. Let's learn to forgive. Hallelujah. Bible says, walks in darkness. He has received no saving knowledge of the truth. And whatever he may pretend is in complete ignorance of an unbeliever. Hatred equals of an unbelieving spirit. That's how dangerous it is. It's even worse than being an unbeliever. It's a realm of ignorance. Even until the present time. You may be in church, but you're living in ignorance because of hatred. Hallelujah. Notwithstanding the fact that we preach to you, you're hearing the word, you're listening to messages, as long as hatred is in your heart, you're still walking where? In darkness. Learn to forgive. Hallelujah. There's a saying that says, to hate a friend is inhuman. To hate an enemy is unchristian. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about? To hate a friend outside is inhuman. To hate even the unbeliever is inhuman. God doesn't want you to hate any human being. Huh? Hallelujah. But the worst part of it, to hate an enemy is unchristian. Why? Jesus said, pray for your enemies. So if you hate somebody who is a believer, I mean, who you claim to be an enemy, it means you are not truly a Christian. To hate an enemy is unchristian. To hate a friend is inhuman. That means there is no platform that guarantees you what? Hatred. Whether they mind the street, you can't. Whether they mind the church, you can't. You don't have any platform for hatred. <laughs> Are you seeing it? Praise the living God. And further, let it be noted that whatever falls short of the duty of loving comes within the very framework of that which is our brother from the departure from true love. And once true love is not there, you're moving away from true love, the only thing that is coming in is what? Hatred. That's the only thing that's coming in. Hallelujah. So where love is not, according to Benjel, where love is not, dear hatred is. For the heart cannot remain void. So you can't pretend. Is that okay? Where no love is, 
there is what hatred because the heart cannot be remain of a left boy you can you can afford your heart cannot be empty something must occupy your heart so he said our love is there or what hatred is there it has to be one of them no pretense and by the time hatred comes, you begin to act, you begin to do things that ordinarily you're not supposed to do. Sometimes people are wondering, I mean, is it you? Are you getting what I'm talking about? It's not you anymore. You're giving place to the devil. So if the devil is the one walking, it's not you. You'll be acting, you'll be doing things that are not supposed to be done. Hatred. It's a dangerous spirit. Hmm? The last thing I want to talk about here in relation to those two words from Leviticus 17 that we read is don't seek revenge. Don't seek revenge. We're going to anchor up here. Romans 12 verse 19. He said, Dearly beloved, King James please, Dearly beloved, obey not yourself, but rather give place unto rats. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, see the Lord. Amen? And verse 20 says, Therefore, if in, even the enemy hunger, what did he say you should do? Because to even hate an enemy is what? Unchristian. <laughs> Are you there with me? Therefore, if the enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, do what? Give him to drink. For in so doing, and somebody say yes, now I know what to do. For in so doing, that shall heap coals of fire on his head. I like this one. Say, Pastor, now you are talking. I know what to do now. <laughs> it's now you are truly preaching the message. This is the whole summary. Yes, I'll do good. Because in so doing, I'm heaping coal of fire. I'm going to explain to you what it means to heap coal of fire. <laughs> And you don't want to heap anymore. <laughs> then verse 21 says, Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Okay, I would like us to take it from the Amplified. Romans 12, 17. Very interesting. Let's read from 17. Romans 12, 17. Amplified translation. This is what it says. Repay no evil for evil. Can I hear an amen? But take thought for what is honest and proper proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. Note that word. Repay not evil for evil. You slap me on this cheek, I slap you on that cheek. No. That is Moses. Jesus says, slap me on this cheek, I give you this other one. See the difference? You tell me where you follow it. Is that Moses or Jesus? Moses said, tooth for a tooth and eye for an eye. A leg for a leg. Is that okay? Jesus said, no. Slam me on this cheek, give you the second one. Complete it. Take all the credit and glory for slapping me on both sides. That's the hard thing that we find so difficult to do. Imagine the way this person just insulted me. You think I would just let her go like that? Or let him go like that? And the Lord said, don't only let him go. Allow him to even do more. 
Are you there with me? Look at verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It depends on you now, not with the people. So if you want to live at peace, it is you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Scriptures sometimes are delicate. Is that okay? You want to live at peace? He said, it is you. You. Not the people. They will offend you, but you can still live at peace. How? The peace must come from God and it's within you. Because the Bible says, don't repay evil for what? For evil. Verse 19 says, Beloved, never revenge or avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's anger. Leave the way open. Don't take the place of God. Hmm? I remember, is John in the fellowship today? Okay, it's not right. He's there. I remember dropping off one of these days and was telling me how terrible they are treating him in the office. Particular family who is his boss. Then I say, you know what? I say, no. Let's pray for the brother. I said, that's what he won't say. You can't revenge. You can't do anything. You can't even complain to anybody. Two days ago, last week, last week, she was telling me, those people have been sacked. All of them removed from the office. In fact, right now, it's like he's the boss in the office. He said, leave the way open. Why were those people sacked? Why were they driven away? You can explain. Because you are oppressing an innocent man. And he has left everything open to who? To God. Let God judge for you. You see, the measure... I told him something. I said, do you know why you can't even revenge? He said, no. I said, because the measure of offense committed, you may do more than that. Are you following what I'm talking about? Sometimes somebody pluck your tooth and they okay now today I will get one of your teeth and you carry something and you hit the man in the mouth. What happened? It's possible two will come out. You see that? You don't know how to measure anger to pay back. So leave it to God to give appropriate measurements. That is what we're talking about. God knows how to measure the offense given to you. You don't know how to do it. So leave the vengeance to God. I will do you back. I will do you back. Ah. Somebody can give you a little match head cut now. And you go and carry match. I will cut you back. And what happened? The next thing is, it could be deeper than, okay, now at the end of the day, you'll be the one. Can you even imagine some of those things that happen sometimes? I, mean, I just want you to think about that. Your revenge is always greater than your offense committed. Because you are not God. You don't know how to measure it. That's why I say, leave it for me. I know how to take care of these people. For making you to be unhappy, for grieving the spirit to you, leave that to me. You won't listen. Hallelujah. And so, you end up taking the place of God. But I'm appealing to you this morning. Let God be God. Leave God alone to do the vengeance. If at all, it has to be. Amen? Are you there with me? Are you still following me? Beloved, never revenge yourself, but leave way open for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. He said, vengeance belongs to him. It doesn't belong to you. Oh, no, no. I want somebody to understand this. Vengeance is mine means, when you want to measure the word vengeance, you don't have it. You are not supposed to have it. You can't even pay or buy it. God doesn't give it to you. Vengeance is mine. It belongs to him alone, not you. I want you to think. 
Do you know the implication of that statement? Vengeance is mine. Oh, God said, I own things. You want to take what belongs to God? Then when you want to make yourself God. Hmm? So anytime you want to revenge for what has been done to you, you are making yourself what? God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, <laughs> says the Lord. Who will repay? I, God alone, will repay. Vengeance is mine. It doesn't belong to you. Nobody owns it. Only one man owns vengeance. And that is who? God. Are you God? Why do you want to revenge? To hate your enemy is unchristian. To hate your friend is inhuman. You have no platform to hate. Neither are you qualified to revenge. Because vengeance belongs to only one man. And that is God. You are not God. The revenge. Anytime the thought of revenge comes to your heart, ask the simple question, am I God? And the answer will say what? No. Hallelujah. Okay. Verse 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is what we're looking at. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hmm? Okay. Let's see, break it down again. Message translation, verse 17, Romans 12. I want to explain that place of burning coal. Because see some people, when they see your enemy, say, Sister, take now. Eh? See, that guy is my enemy. Is that okay? They buy shit. Take now. You, you want drink? Take now. You get a Gary for house? Take now. Because you follow his scripture. So I believe the Bible. Eh? When you give good things to your enemy, you are heaping coal of fire. <laughs> so, so, brother, do you still have water at home? Can I give you a cup of cold water? <laughs> okay, read that and see. Are you there, message translation? Don't hit back. What did he say? Don't hit back. Are you listening to me? Let me tell you, neighbor, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Even the man that just hit you, you can still find beauty in that man. Don't hit back. This seems to be difficult. But the Bible says, with God, nothing is what? Impossible. Don't hit back. Discover the beauty in everyone. If you've got it, in you. Get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting evil. That is not for you to do. I will do the judging, says God. I will take care of it. Are you listening to me? 20 says, Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Like in spices. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Maybe a bottle, bottle of Coke. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. That's the coal of fire. The coal of fire is your surprises of your goodness. Did you get that? 
the person will be shocked. This man I insulted yesterday. Huh? In other words, your goodness towards that man causes the person to repent. That's what it means to heap a coal of fire. Not judgment. You got it wrong? Huh? Another way you look at it is this. This thing is actually a parable from the old times. I, I lived in the village. So I woke up in the morning and uh, they want to set a fire in the home. And then you go to knock your neighbor's door. Is your fire on yet? They will say, yes. Maybe you came with a little pan. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Right. They put a coal of fire there. And then you take it back home to be able to light your own fire. That's what he's talking about. If your enemy hurts you, give him fire to light up his fire. Are you seeing that? So when you say heap a coal of fire on his head, don't give him the one that will not make his fire burn. Give him sufficient. So let him carry it on his head. <laughs> and when he gets back home, he's sure to have good fire to make his food for him to eat. That's what the Bible is teaching. It's not setting revenge. Which is a heap of coal of fire. So you're doing good. No, no, no. He said you're good towards the people that offend you will surprise them. And they will turn around and say, we never know this man is like this. Hallelujah. We didn't know this woman can do this to me. With all that I've done. They will be ashamed of themselves. Are you following me this morning? I want you to be the true Christian that God really wants you to be. Love. 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 Somebody once spoke to me from the U.S. as well and said, David, we've never met a person like you, even in our country. I said, what do you mean by that? Say your love is so strong. And he made another comment. He said, we therefore believe you will succeed. Don't you think people are praying for me? We believe you will succeed in life. Your love is so strong. Then I said, but how? Because for me, I will never for one reason have a relationship with anybody and I will drop it except the person who wants to live my life. Is that okay? Because if anything goes wrong, I will strive to make sure it's amended. I need people around me. So I love people. And I think God loves people. Remember, God is love. God does not have the quality or attribute of love. God is love. He doesn't have love. God is. Hallelujah. Do you know what it means now to heap coal of fire? To do good to people that will surprise them. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? Okay. Verse 20 again, no, 21. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Amen? So, to conquer and overcome an enemy by love and kindness is a noble conquest and it's a glorious victory to make down by obligating favor into good affection. In other words, when you do good to people, you're promoting God's life. Even in the life of those people. No matter how much hatred that they have for you. Come on, give a clap offering to Jesus. That is what God did for us. Bible says, even when we were enemies, He shared for His love. His love surprised us. So today we are saying, God, you are so good. You are so good. Because we are though we are His enemy, He gave us His love. The best. He surprised us. 
I follow what I'm talking about. And God wants you through this medium to become light in this world. You don't have room for revenge. Don't forget. If you, if you can't remember everything, don't forget this. You hate your friend, he's inhuman. An enemy is unchristian.